Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house. I laugh when I see that video because uh, it really, really doesn't have too much to do with what we're talking with today. But um, some of you that are basketball fans or NBA fans, uh, my team that I pull for, of course, Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, had a terrible last three games. We're down 0-3 against the stinking Boston Celtics, which means nothing to our service today. I'm just bearing my soul to you. But uh, one of the guys on the team, uh, name is J.J. Redick, he has what, what I would call great tattoo game. He's a great three-point shooter, but he has some sweet, sweet-looking tattoos. Now, there's another guy on the team, uh, Mario, Mario Bellinelli. He's, a, he's, a, uh, he's an Italian guy, and he's got some of the worst tattoos I've ever seen in my life, and his tattoos look like this guy's peel-on-stick tattoos. That's how bad they are. So if you watch them play Tuesday night, look at Mario Bellinelli's tattoos, and you're going to laugh at it because he has terrible tattoos. So if you don't want your kids getting tattoos someday, have them look at his. They'll never do it. That's the end of my first sermon this morning. All right. Well, hey, we're, we're really excited about what today represents for our church. It's a really important day for us. Uh, Christina, put that picture up uh, for me of our church. Um, we're preparing. Yeah, I'm excited about this. We walked there yesterday. Um, now, that sign's not up there yet, but that's what our sign is going to look like. We asked for the biggest uh, sign we could possibly get with, uh, you, know, with the, you know, with the county rules and all those different kind of things. You have to get permits. You just, the permit thing is just unbelievable to me. But we are in permit Hades right now. We are in the middle of getting all these permits and um, so one of the permits we have to get, of course, is for our sign. We got the permit for our sign, but they won't grant us the uh, okay to put the sign up until the, all of the other permits fall into place. Like you have to have the whole package done before we can even put the sign up, even though we have the permit that allows us to put the sign up. So it's really, really weird. Anyway, uh, and we're submitting to local government, doing everything we're supposed to do. Just pray for that to happen. That was one of the prayer requests that we prayed for yesterday. But this is, you know, yesterday was very symbolic because we are very thankful for our current temporary home, and we prayed for this yesterday, right? Let's thank God for where we are right now, right? But we're also very excited about getting into our new home, and it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take this permit stuff, the government, all those things have to fall into place. But the one great thing that we can do to demonstrate to God that we want, that we really believe this is God's will for our church is we have to have the faith to believe that this is what the Lord wants us to do. So just by way of introduction, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2 uh, if you want to turn there with me. The verses will be up on the screen, and you can also follow along on version. The outline and the verses will be up on there if you follow along electronically. Uh, but just by way of introduction, the Bible tells us in Psalm 133, verse number one, it is good when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. That's a good thing. Now, if you're sitting somebody near somebody you're related to, that you're related to, I want you to look at them and say, it's good when we're together. Tell them that. Say, it's good when we're together. Right? Now, listen, that's just not being together, sitting next to each other. Right? My wife and I, can be sitting there watching TV, and, and we're kind of a, uh, we're, just, we're just odd people, and I'm more odder than she is, but I think collectively we're odd as one. But we'll have the TV on, and both of us will have our iPads on our laps at the same time doing different things. 
So it's like a triple layer of electronic stuff happening at the same time. We're watching TV. She plays, I, I don't know the name of the game, and I'm going to get yelled at for it, but she plays some kind of Candy Crush type of, you know, annihilation type of game on her phone or her iPad endlessly throughout the day. She plays this. She's always on. When she's done playing that game, it's because she's beaten it. I, I, I don't know anybody that's gotten farther on the Candy Crush game than her, and, be, and she's not played anymore because she beat it. She's unbelievable at these games. I remember when, back years and years ago, she played Tetris. Now, Tetris, you guys, is a game that the old people would play back in the day. It's a little building block game. She would play, and she beat Tetris. She's unbelievable. Now, I, I'm not smarter than her. I promise you I'm not. She's way smarter than me. But I'll usually have my iPad on. If I'm watching TV, I'll pull up information about whatever we're watching. For instance, we'll watch something uh, that'll have some kind of historical thing on there or some kind of movie. It'll mention somebody. Well, I'll Google that person or look that person up to see what, hey, did you know that this, this, and this? And my wife goes, is that really important? And I'll say, well, probably just as important as Candy Crush. So there's a little bit of disunity, you know, when we're watching TV. We can be together, but sometimes be three or four miles apart, mentally, physically, spiritually. You know how that works out. And, and the truth is, you know, that could really be applicable to church. We're all here together, and, and, and we're not wrong for this, but I would guarantee you, there's a one person in this auditorium that can go from person to person and tell us everybody's first name. Would you agree with that? I don't think anybody can do that. Tammy would probably get as close as about anybody else could. Uh, yes, Jack could do it too, but Big Daddy wouldn't let her do it because he doesn't want her to embarrass him. So it's just a whole, you know, it's just a whole thing. Because she would add commentary and then I wouldn't even get time to do my message today. So, you know, we can be together. We, we can do things together. And, and not be on the same page. We can be part of a church together and, and maybe not be on the same page philosophically, spiritually, mentally, or all those different things. And, and, and the thing about, uh, about sharing community unity, and that's what I'm gonna talk to you about today. Community unity, because we are the body of Jesus Christ collectively. Somebody say amen to that, right? This, this is a place where we meet at 2800 Custer Parkway. The picture you see up here earlier was 600 Data Drive East. Those are addresses, but whether we're meeting here or meeting there or walking from here to there, we are the church, amen? And, and, and the gates of hell can't stand up against it. And no matter where, listen, I don't know if that's gonna be, that, that, that 600 Data Drive uh, East property, I don't know if that's where we're gonna meet in 25 years. But hey, listen, if that's where we're meeting and I'm leading in 25 years, I'm kind of pumped about that because I'll be 77 years old, and that's a pretty good run, so I'll be pretty happy about that, you know? But uh, we, can, we can do things with one another and maybe not be on the same page. And what today is about is about community unity. And, and just by way of introduction, I'm gonna uh, pose a couple questions to you uh, to provoke you to where I'm going with our message today. Uh, would you say that you're surrounded in your life, either by your life group or people you attend church with, or some kind of spiritual community that you're a part of, would you say that you're surrounded by other believers that help you spiritually? Uh, I have people in my life that I talk to all the time, had lunch with a dear brother on Friday. Um, I've been, you know, uh, Kelsey was sharing with you a little bit of her heart today, and she composed herself very well, and I know that was hard for her today. Uh, somebody that I share uh, things with uh, is, is her dad, and we've been praying for her dad. He's sick right now. So I, I was telling Monica the other day, 
uh, I, I've gone to text him a couple times, and I'm not. So you can go, look, Monica, I just started texting him again. Because I don't, when he, when he comes out of it all the way, I don't really have the, the energy to go through everything I wanted to tell him. So that's going to be his burden to go back and read all my text messages, okay? And, and, and we, we're going to celebrate that day together. He'll be, hold on, Monica. Ed wrote me some things here, and they're all coming up at the same time. But I have, I'm very thankful. My brother, dear pastor friend of mine uh, in New Hampshire, I talk about all the time, who's coming to be with us uh, this fall, Pastor Anthony Milas. So we're having, we have uh, Pastor Craig Johnson uh, from Lakewood Church down in Houston, Texas, works at Joel Osteen's church. Uh, you, did you know that his church has 55,000 people that attend their one site every single weekend? Isn't that crazy? That's like bigger than Plano. That's like all of Plano going to one church on the weekend. He's coming to speak for us uh, soon, too. And I'm very thankful for the friends that I have that, that pour into me spiritually. Hebrews chapter 3 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Then it says this, but encourage one another. How many of you like to be encouraged? Raise your hand up in the air. You know, th- does anybody like it when somebody comes up to you and says, yeah, I really don't like that about you. I don't like that outfit you're wearing. I don't like your hair. I don't like your car. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like, I, I, I hate that. I, my, one of my love languages is affirmation. And, and I love it when, um, when, when people, people give me like a little bit of a spiritual attaboy. I was thinking of my buddy Richard. Uh, sometimes after church when I'm drained, I'll go right up to Richard because he always has a kind word to say to me. And I kind of feel like that we're on the basketball court together and he's coming up and he says, hey, good job, Ben. And he gives me a little, you know, but he doesn't do that so I'm, and I'm glad he doesn't do that too. But uh, the Bible says that we're supposed to encourage one another and then it says this, daily. Daily, you know why? Because daily... We are under it spiritually. The Bible talks about how Satan walks around this earth like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. The Bible tells us that we deal with uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. There are battles around us every single day. You might look back on your week and if I were to say to you, hey, think about something bad that you did earlier this week. I guarantee you, if you were super, super honest with yourself, you wouldn't have to go back seven or eight days to think of your last sin. It may have happened on the way to church this morning. I wasn't driving behind anybody either, so I don't know. But we have to encourage one another daily. As long as, and this is great. This is so literal. As long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's a second question. Not only do I have people pouring into me, but am I helping others grow in their relationship with the Lord? You know, there's this process that takes place in our life. You can call it sanctification if you want to use a real long Christian-y sounding word. Uh, you can call it discipling, another Christian-y sounding word, or just mentoring. That's really kind of what it is. But there's, there, there's a part of a mentor, and if, if, if you're a Star Wars person, you'll know this. There's, there's the teacher, and, and, and there's the student, right? There's always two. And, and, and listen, if you don't have somebody that you're pouring into, then there's something missing in your life from a, from a spiritual perspective. You need people pouring into you but you're also supposed to be pouring into others. That's part of our spiritual process. And Hebrews 10, 24 says this, let us consider how you and I could spur one another or encourage one another toward love and to good deeds. Now, now think about that. Does, do you have people in your life that you're impacting that causes them to love others and listen to this, do good? Now, I have friends in my life that I remember when I was growing up, and we would kind of always encourage each other 
to do bad stuff or to do silly growing up, dumb, teenager, knucklehead stuff. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I've, a couple of my friends that I grew up with, by God's grace, are, are pastors like, like I am. And, and one of my friends pastors a, a huge church in Albany, New York. His name is Buddy Cremines. And when I went up and spoke for Buddy one time a couple years ago, Buddy said to me, hey, listen, I know you're going to want to talk about stuff from you and I growing up, but you don't have to talk about everything. And he was a little worried because, man, Buddy and I, we got arrested together. We just did stupid knucklehead stuff together. Does anybody, does anybody else in this room have stupid knucklehead stuff in their past, okay? Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one and that half of you are telling the truth this morning. <clears throat> so here, here's the next question I'll ask you. Do, you do, do others see you or see us as a group in a way where we're, so that they're, they're watching us serve the Lord and it draws others to him. Do people see that about our church? Uh, yesterday, when we walked from here uh, to, to the new building, there were two places where it was kind of hard to walk. And it was about a block long of no sidewalk. It was bumpy grass. Now, when, you're, when, when, we're, when we're marking it off and looking at it, the grass was mowed. It looked relatively, you know, looked relatively flat. And if you're just walking by yourself, it's not that hard to walk across grass. But if you had a coach or baby stuff or bikes or kids... It, or our wheelbarrows, you know, a couple of our families had, it was kind of a challenge. And, you know, you, 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 and I told Kelsey, I said, uh, my, my daughter who has, has two babies, I said, and I, was, I helped carry her daughter uh, most of the time. I said, honey, do you want me to push your coach during this part? You know, thinking I'm, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to help my daughter out a little bit, right? And, and I'm like three steps into this regretting this because it was like four-wheeling. I think it would have been easier to pick the whole thing up than it was to push it across this bumpy part of the ground, right? But one thing I noticed Couple people yesterday were honking at us. You know, they walked by and they saw, they saw us all with our warehouse church T-shirts. Couple people, were, hey, we're waving and, and, and doing this. And I wonder what they thought when they saw us. I wonder what people thought as they were driving by these signs and they said, you know, pray for future family members, pray for Kin and Gross, pray for Manna, pray for and all the different prayer requests that we had on the road. And, and when Johnny, my son-in-law, and I were picking them up afterwards. I said, I said, Johnny, we got to be careful how we do this because we're pulling prayer requests up out of the ground. So we, you know, we, we can't do anything stupid while we're doing this. So we were being really careful and picking up the signs and throwing them in my car. We, he got so tired of opening the door and closed the door. He was standing on the outside of my truck on the, on the step thing holding and hanging on to my truck, which I think is illegal, but maybe not in Texas. I'm not sure, you know. But what do people, what do people perceive about our church when they see us in the community? Right, not just walking with our red T-shirts on, you know, listening to Christian music and all that stuff. But what do they think? What's their? What's their? What's the public opinion about our church? It really does matter. So you say, what does this have to do with today being Commitment Sunday? Here, here's here, here's what I want to share with you today. I want to share with you a blueprint of a healthy church. That's what we're going to look at today. A, a blueprint of a healthy church. And the question I want to pose to you is this. And, and I, you know, I don't want you to answer it now because I'm going to ask you at the end of the service is this, are we together, you know? Um, we can agree with things that we don't necessarily participate in. I don't think anybody will disagree with the fact that we need to move. It's kind of an easy decision. Our, our, the new property we're gonna have is gonna be nice, it's gonna be clean, it's gonna be ours. We have our thumbprint on it. It's, it's very, very exciting. It, it really is, and as things are coming together, you can really sense you know, uh, what, 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 how that's all, all coming, you know, coming to fruition. Uh, 
And we love being here, and this has been a blessing to be here, but it's kind of part of our process of old things being passed away and all things become new. It's a new, it's, it's a new birth for our church, and we're, and we're excited about that. We don't apologize for that. We embrace it. But agreeing with it and being together with it are really two different things, you know? Um, and so let's get into this this morning. The early church in Acts chapter 2 demonstrated community unity, and I want to read for you Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47. So let's look at God's word. Uh, it says this. And this is a great story. I, I, I love kind of giving some of the historical context uh, of a passage like this. Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends back up into heaven, tells his disciples, last time he spoke to them. And your last words you speak to somebody are pretty significant. He says, but you're going to receive power. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses for me simultaneously in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now that gives the church the blueprint for worldwide evangelism. We reach people locally. We reach people outside of this perimeter. I'm sure Pastor Frank has preached Acts chapter 8 hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times at missions conferences all over the world where God has told us we reach people here and we send missionaries to reach people on our behalf to the uttermost parts of the world. That's the last thing Jesus told his followers to do here on the earth, which is pretty significant, his last words, right? So in Acts chapter 2, Jesus ascends back up into heaven. The Holy Ghost comes down and powers the church. Peter gets up, preaches this crazy, amazing message. They gathered thousands of people together. And this is kind of the concluding part of of Peter's sermon here in Acts chapter 2. And it says this in verse 42. They, the, uh, the, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, those are some big, big, big statements right there, and we'll we'll break that down in just a minute. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody that had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Now, all those things happen, which are extremely significant. And it says this at that very last part of verse 47. It's the result, right? It's, it's the, uh, for every action, there's an equal what? Reaction. This is the reaction, or this is, this is the sum total of all the parts of verses 42 through 47. It says, the Lord added to their number daily, such as should be saved. That's, that is such a huge, huge thing. And, and we're going we're gonna to kind of break that down a little bit this morning. So how did the early church demonstrate community unity? Here's the first thing they did. There was a relentless devotion, not a casual indifference. Okay, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll hit two of the verses. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayer. Verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, uh, some of you uh, in this room will remember the original. Some will know the Broadway of this. And some will know when it came out 10 years ago. But I think it's fair to say almost everybody, if not everybody, has seen the movie or the play, Grease. How many have seen the movie, the play, Grease. Grease is the word, it's the word that you heard. It's got groove, it's got meaning. Eh, 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 right? So there was somebody who's kind of old right now, but she still looks good. Uh, Olivia Newton-John, right? And her, 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 what was her role? Somebody tell me. 
Sandy. Remember Sandy's first song that she sang with her poodle skirt on? Now, you don't remember the poodle skirt. You remember the leather pants at the end of the movie, but think about the poodle skirt. Okay, she sang this song, Hopelessly Devoted. Oh, that was beautiful. Great job this morning, right? Hopelessly devoted to you. When you think of being hopelessly devoted to something, what does that mean? That means we're all in, right? Right? We're all in on a relationship. We're all in uh, on that project that we're doing. And, and that's what it's talking about here for the early church, a hopeless, relentless devotion, not a casual indifference. Now, the best way that I can maybe help you understand what that means I'm going to do a sports analogy, but I'm not going to talk about the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles when I do so, okay? I'm going to try to be indifferent this morning. So a few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, I, was, I was speaking in his church up in Boston. He said, have you ever been to Fenway Park? I said, no, I haven't been to Fenway Park. He said, the Red Sox are in town tonight playing. I want to take you to a Red Sox game. I said, oh, man, I love baseball. I've been to about 15 different parks. One of my bucket list things is to hit every park in the, in the, in, in the Major League Baseball someday. But love baseball, went to a Red Sox game, right? Great seats. We were like 15 rows behind home plate, right in the middle of everything. It was wonderful. It was pre-days of good eating. So I had like about five sausage, onion, and pepper sandwiches. It was unbelievable. The food was amazing. The experience was amazing. It was just a great, great thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying all this history in, the, in this terrible stadium with awful, awful, tiny, tiny seats. But I'm just enjoying this whole, and, and I sit down, and it's the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. First inning, you know, all this stuff. You know, the best part of the whole game for me was when we sang Sweet Caroline. Because I just wanted to do that part where I got to go, bum, bum, bum. That was the best part of the whole thing. You know why? Because I don't like the Boston Red Sox, and I don't like the Boston, I don't like the Baltimore Orioles. I like baseball, but you know what I had watching that game? Casual indifference. I didn't hate either of the teams. Right? I wasn't against a team, but I wasn't for a team. So I didn't, I didn't clap, and I didn't boo. I didn't get excited until the vendor came around, more sausage, onion, and pepper sandwiches. That was the only exciting part of this. So I had seven sandwiches, seven, pet Brian, seven sandwiches that night. Homie don't play that anymore. But I'm telling you, I had seven, seven sausage, onion, and pepper sandwiches. They were so good, right? But I was viewing that game with casual indifference. Yeah, it was okay. Like baseball, didn't dig the teams. Like the crowd stuff, meh, wasn't wearing any Boston. Now, there's a big difference in my life. When I go to a Boston Red Sox game with two teams that I don't like, that, are, that I have nothing to do with, then when I go to a Philadelphia Phillies team game, big, big difference. I've got the gear. I've got the hat. I've got the program. How, how, let me ask you, how many of you are baseball fans who say you're really, really solid baseball fans? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay. I'm such a nerdy baseball fan. I buy a program, and I know how to keep score the right way with the little lines and the little thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The little, and and when, when, when somebody scores a run, you color it in. I mean, it's, it, it is a process that I tried with my oldest daughter, my second daughter, and my third daughter to teach them. They had a casual indifference towards it. But I taught Emily. I said, Emily, you're my last kid. you got to do this. She says, Dad, I won't let you down like, your sis like my sisters did. I said, hey, thank you, honey. <laughs> and when I'm watching a Phillies game, I am zoned in. And there's something we do, my family, when we go to a Philadelphia Phillies game. Home or away, it doesn't matter. I, I like going to away games. 
wearing Philly gear because I like people to say to me, boo, Philly stink, or something else like that. And I'll just kind of puff my chest. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? I love that. I just love, 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 love that. And I don't go in there with a casual indifference. I go in there with a relentless devotion. Now, I want to say something. I'm not saying this about any individuals this morning. I promise you. Sometimes people say, hey, when you said that, you were probably thinking about me. I really wasn't. But you know, some people come to church with a casual indifference, and there are some people that, that are part of a church with relentless devotion. Now, relentless devotion doesn't necessarily mean you're stroking a big check every week. Let's just, I mean, I'm Philly. I'm brutally honest. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're a big, 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 big giver, big, big, big donor. That speaks to some of it because we're, we're you know, the treasures of our heart, it speaks, into, it speaks into what you value. But the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people that have casual indifference towards the Lord's work. They go to church, right? They go to church. It's a value, but, you know, you're not really rooting for any, you know, specific. I, I was in church today. I did my thing. I was in church put a little bit in the offering plate, did what I'm supposed to do, check the box off of faithful church attendance. But as far as, rela- now, let me ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud. This is just something for you personally. Would you say you have a relentless devotion towards the Lord's work, comma, and towards Warehouse Church? A relentless devotion. That's something the early church had. And you know what they didn't have? Buildings, sound systems, cool programs. You know what they had? They had a, a memory of Jesus ascending back up into heaven saying, go reach everybody you can with the gospel of me, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they believed, you know what they believed every single day? That Jesus could come back tomorrow. So we gotta tell, all, we gotta tell everybody today. We gotta tell as many people as we can today. Jesus is coming back. He told us he's coming back. We gotta go tell everybody. We got, so we gotta gather people, 120 people. 120 people brought together over 5,000 people, not including women and children, Thousands were saved this day when Peter spoke this message, baptized, added to the church because that church had a relentless devotion towards the cause of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you a question. Is our community, right? This is our, this is our community. This is who we identify with, Warehouse Church. Is our community, and are you personally committed to his call, his church, and his work? The early church demonstrated that. It's a blueprint for community unity. Here's the second thing. Uh, they had a heartfelt affection, not bored informality. I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and I, I want to be very careful how I say this, because I don't, I don't mean to say this with any kind of disrespect or disrespect intentions or anything like that. But, but you know, one of the things I, I really have a, a burden and a passion for to make sure that we have in our church is life, right? It, it's okay to have fun. It's good to laugh. We had a good time yesterday. We had fun yesterday. Uh, and we want that to be true about our church services too. Because can I tell you what I remember? If somebody were to tell, ask me, what's your, what, what do you remember most of all about growing up in church? If you were to give one word, you know what I would say? It was boring. I didn't come to this church when I was a kid, so I, I'm not speaking about Canyon Creek and its past or anything like that. I just remember it was boring. And not just boring because of music or some of the things like we like to put our little things on. It, it just, there just wasn't any life in it, you know? And I want to be around people that like to be alive. I want to be around people that are excited. You know, do you have anybody in your life that's a Debbie Downer? Right? When things are too good, right? It's okay, Chris. You can put your hand up. You weren't pointing at your wife, so you're okay. He didn't do this, honey. He didn't do this. Okay? He did this towards his mother-in-law, which I don't know what that means, so I don't want, no, he didn't do that. I'm just kidding you. Right? 
But you know, sometimes, have you ever said this? I've said this to my man. We had such a good day today, I've got to go find a pessimist because I'm walking on sunshine right now. I've got to get somebody to get me back down to reality. And, and it just feels like there are more Debbie Downers in our world today than there are people excited about life. And you know what? Listen, I am saved. My wife still loves me after almost 33 years. My kids are amazing. My grandkids are the light of my life. And you know what? But I have problems too. But I don't want to always tell people my problems so that I'm around them. Listen, when I go see my friend Kenan, try to make Monica and Kelsey laugh a little bit. Because you know what? Life is too hard to be upset all the time. And I don't want to bring more sadness. I don't want them walking in and going, oh, just when we were feeling bad. Here comes Ed with his wah, wah, wah. Because the truth of the matter is, somebody always, and I'm not taking away from, from, from my brother's situation and your family right now, but somebody always has it worse. You know? And there's always a place where we could stop and give thanks and give praise. Always a time for that. But we've got to be careful as representatives of God's family, as his kids, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we don't talk about how hard and brutal and oh, things are all the time. I heard a guy speak this week. I was at a national pastor's conclave meeting for a couple days. And this guy, he was a pastor to, um, um, not Palestine. Where's my, where's my wife at? Where was that guy pastor to? You remember? Pakistan. This dude was a pastor in Pakistan, right? He's got a group of pastors that he ministers to. Half of the group, of his national pastors that, that he's ministering to right now, churches all over Pakistan, gospel preaching churches in Pakistan right now are in jail. We don't have to worry about that. There, there's nothing I have to, I don't have to worry about anything I'm gonna say from this stage this morning out of this book where somebody can lock me up there. Hey, it'd be a great story though. Bad boy, bad boy, what you gonna do? I don't have to worry about that because we live in the greatest country in the history of mankind, United States of America. Right? We do. I mean, we just, we're not better because of it, but we're sure, we're sure thankful for it. And to whom much is given, much is what? Required, right? Expected. Much is given, much. That's what the Bible tells us. And I don't want to be that guy that's pulling a room down. I want to be the guy that's picking people up. Listen, there's just too much yucky stuff that's happening in our world today to be like that. And, and, and I don't want people to see me where, where, where they look at my walk with the Lord as, as, as a formality. I'm doing it because I have to do it. You know, I was telling my, my buddy this morning, I cut my grass yesterday. I kind of like cutting my grass. It's one of those weird things I like to do. Probably because I lived in an apartment for a couple years and I miss doing it. But you know what? While I'm cutting my grass, it's not always easy. You know, I, I always run over stuff. Um, if, 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 if one of my son-in-laws doesn't go out in the yard and clean up their dog's blessings, I always run over a landmine, you know? And it kind of gets on me a little bit. And it makes me mad, you know, when you smell like dog dew after you get done cutting the grass. I'll always hit a rock or, or a stick. Clonk! Oh, I got to sharpen my blade now. I mean, something always happens like that, right? And it's hard, and I'm dumping the grass out. and then, oh, But you know, when I get done, I feel good about it. But I don't want to walk in the house and go, oh, I have to cut my, this is, because you know what my wife would say? Spend $10 a week and get somebody to cut it then. It's not that big a deal. And sometimes, you know what we do in our lives? We make a big, 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 big negative, ah, yucky deal out of things that don't really matter. Out of things that don't matter. When life and death is in the balance, you kind of get a perspective of what matters. When, when, when people's lives are, are in front of you and they're going through stuff, 
you get a real good perspective of what matters. You know what matters? That the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need to have a heartfelt affection. Listen to Acts 2.43. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Romans 10.2 says this about the church. Paul said this about the church he was ministering to. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God and their zeal is not based on their knowledge. It's not because that they've been saved for years and years and years and years and memorized half the Bible that they're zealous for God. They just really believe Jesus is who he said he is and have devoted their lives to it. May that be said about our church. They're zealous for God. I don't, listen, I don't mind if people say about our church, and this has happened to me. Hey, I met somebody from your church, and you know what? You have people in your church that cuss. Look, I got quiet. I was hoping somebody would have said amen. Just one person. Yeah, amen, but don't say a cuss word. Don't say, Bleh! you know, don't do that right now, okay? It's, it's funny what we, what we perceive, you know? May it be said about our church, maybe not we're the smartest or the richest or have the best, but may, may it be said about our church, that church is zealous for the cause of Christ. We just want to see people saved. And here's the question. Is our community moved by God? Number three, sacrificial generosity. This, is, this was a sign of their community unity. Sacrificial generosity, not selfish ambition. I want to tell you something about our new building. You're going to see this. It's not going to be the Crystal Cathedral. It's just not. People aren't going to drive by it and go, oh. they're not going to walk in our building and, and, and like Aaron did in the walk yesterday, take off her, she took off her shoes. Going through, you know, did you see she was barefoot coming across the finish line? She did that because she's very spiritual, and she said, Pastor, I'm getting ready to walk on holy ground. So she took her shoes off, right? It was one of those reasons. I don't remember what it was. We don't want people to feel super intimidated by, wow, these people have a lot of money in this church. I need to wear something nicer this week. You know what we want people to see when they see our new building? This is cool. It's functional. It works. Wow, they love kids here. We don't... I, I'm just selfishly, you know what people say about our building? Like an experience I want new people to have when they come into our new building? Man, their bathrooms were great. I mean, that's a burden that I want people to have. I don't know, the message was okay, the music was great, but I had a wonderful bathroom experience. I just hope that happens. You know that we're, you, listen, if sometimes people go out of church, you know, in the middle of the sermon. You know what we're doing for you? If you ever have to visit the boys' room or the girls' room in the middle of the message, we're having the sound sent into the bathrooms for you. So you can just go in there and have a good old time and not miss anything about church. That's good stuff right there. But what we don't want people to do is when they go into church and say, oh man, do I feel really underdressed. We don't care. You know what our clothing rule is for our church? Two words, no naked. You can't come to our church naked. Amen, yeah, we don't want that, right? Just wear something. We don't care what you, we just want you, listen, we want people to know that our arms are like this and we welcome everybody. We will, listen, I hope, you know what I hope happens someday? The 25 Muslim people, with all the scary stuff, but, but with the, the, the clothes with just, just their eyes showing, feel comfortable enough to walk into our church, and our people love people enough, the world going to love them too. What do you say by them too? Right? Because we all have these preconceived notions of people. We want everybody to feel welcome. When they, uh, what, I don't care what they did Saturday night, whatever their life represents, every man, woman, child, teenager, 
Anybody that has a jacked up life, we want them to feel comfortable when they come into our church. Because the, the, all that, this stuff doesn't matter. It's this. It's, tell somebody next to them you love them. Just tell them, love you. Some of you said, I'm not doing that just because he told me I had to. Love you. Right? That's what people need to experience. Is our community moved by God? Is there sacrificial generosity? Listen, we're, we're, we're sacrificing. It's a big deal for a church this size to raise $400,000 in a single offering to put our church budget together at $1.4 million for two years. We've had um, architects, builders, not bankers. Bankers said we could, we could we, it, it, they said it's feasible, which whatever that means. But we believe that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen to what the early church did. They, they, there was sacrificial generosity. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and their possessions to give to people that were in need. They sold their stuff. They, they, they took stuff out of their storage units. I, I don't know if there's a town in the United States, a, a region in the United States of America has more storage units than, our, than, our, than the Metroplex. And they're, and they're like multiple layered ones, like with big, huge elevators, right? For, to, to store our stuff. Because we've got too much stuff to parallel a Bible story that we're building barns and silos to hold it, right? And then we're going to build another barn and a silo, and then we're going to build more stuff. If you've, got, if you've got that kind of stuff in your house, you know, I, I just would caution you to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with stuff unless it becomes what we live for. Sacrificial generosity, not selfish ambition. We don't want people coming into our church where we say, look what we did. Ugh, we've got the baddest mamma-jamma church in town. No, we want to say, look what God did. Because that means something when it's that way. And it's when we understand that God promises to meet our needs. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Because here's the thing, God's gift, the gift that was given to you, that gift of salvation, that gift of somebody pouring into you spiritually, should not end with you. There should be a cause and effect of the gospel coming to you. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received for what reason? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then there's a great example in 2 Corinthians about a church uh, in, in, in the country of Macedonia, the Macedonian church. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says this about their church. This was a poor church in a poor area that had lots and lots of problems. But you know what that church did? They gave sacrificially towards the work because they wanted to see people saved. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into what turned into rich generosity. Are you generous? Uh, because here's the thing, compassion leads to sacrifice. Compassion leads to sacrifice. Do we believe we have a story that people need to hear? Do we believe God's called us to be part of this community, unified, to do everything we can do to get this story out to people that haven't heard it? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm very careful. You don't hear me give a whole lot of uh, extreme statistics because I think some, sometimes we get a little, sometimes we emphasize, we emphasize us with statistics more than we emphasize the need. But you know, in the United States of America right now, 
the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And the Metroplex is funny to me because I'm, I'm newer here. I'm, we've only been here three years. When I lived in Philadelphia, <coughs> if you were to go to one corner of the Metroplex to the other corner of the Metroplex, right? When I lived in Philadelphia, it was that far from Philadelphia to New York City. Just, just the Metroplex. I mean, that, that's how. So it would take us like 80 minutes to drive to New York City. We would take the bus or the train up there all the time. And it was, I mean, you talk about it. New York City's different than every other place in the world. I mean, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But we'd go all the time because we were so close. Uh, the, the Metroplex, this, this part of the United, this, this region of the United States of America, fastest growing, lowest unemployment, housing prices are some of the best in the country right now if you own a house. Buying one's hard. But there are more people. We took a survey in our church three or four weeks ago, and I asked people, how many of you are Dallas or Texas native? Do you know less than a third of the people in church that they raise their hand? Less than a third. There are more people moving into this area than any part of the United States of America. That's crazy. Do you have statistics that can back that up? Yes. Ask Kelsey Gross for them after church. She's much more organized than I am. But you all know that that's true. If you know anything about a realtor, Thomas Bills could tell you that. Anybody that knows anything uh, about this community knows that that's true. But here's the thing. You say, well, there's lots and lots of churches. Listen, we want to be a church that brings those unchurched new people into a place. We're not looking to steal people from Watermark. Watermark's a great church. They're reaching people. The Heights is a great church. They're reaching people. There's a church going across the street from, from the Heights Church. I hope they're reaching people too. But you know what we want to do in our church? Reach people that have never heard the story of Jesus Christ. That's, that, that, that's one of our core values. And we don't want to compare ourselves. I want every, listen, if every church in this area was filled on Sunday and had a ton of people saved, there's still a lot of people in this community that never heard about Jesus Christ. We have to approach it like that, where it's our compassion that's going to lead us to make a sacrificial gift. Here's the last thing. And our kids are coming in. If you have kids, I want you to do something for me. If you have kids at junior church, stand up real quick. Stand up and turn around so your kids see you. Just wave at them. So you parents are like the lost kids in Disney World right now, and your kids are finding you, okay? And workers, if you could, help people find their kids. And here's why we're bringing the kids in today, because in a couple minutes, as a family, we're going we're gonna to make our commitments together, but we're also going to do communion as a family. And we're going we're gonna to talk you through that in a sec, because I'm, I'm just about done my message. And now I, I, I just hit the fast forward on it real quick, because the kids are here, so this is good. So here, here, here's the last thing. <laughs> The early church had community unity because of contagious joy. Contagious joy, not selfish clicks. Contagious joy. Have you ever walked into a church, God help us that it's not our church, and you didn't feel that you could break through the wall of clicks and relationships? You ever been to a church like that? We don't want that to be our church. Acts 2.47 says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to the church, how often? Daily. Because here's the thing about the church. God's called us to be faithful and obedient. But there's something that God does to his church that we can't do, and that's build his church. We can't be church builders. What we can do is be obedient church members and do what the Lord's called us to do. Because God's going to build his church. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. We're, not, we're planters and waterers, but the Bible says that doesn't matter because here's the deal. Only God can make things grow. Only God can give the increase. Contagious joy through us. What's our job? 
Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you always until the end of the age. Those are my last two questions, and I'm shutting my Bible. Is our community committed to making new disciples? If you believe we are, say amen. That's our why. That's our why of going all in. That's our why of our commitments together. That's our why of moving into our new building. That's our why to continue as a church. Because if we didn't want to continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, brutal, brutal, Philly, blunt honesty with you, we should have shut the whole thing down last June 30th and not move forward to Warehouse Church. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be the church that he's intended for us to be. For us to be the believers and the soldiers and the warriors and the warrior princesses for Jesus Christ to get the gospel to as many people as possible. Because Jesus, I believe this with every fiber in my body, is coming soon. And I want us to be found faithful. You know the greatest thing in the world would be? If we made our commitments, our commitments exceeded our goal, we jumped we did cartwheels. Monica, I'll do cartwheels then too. We did cartwheels. We were super, super excited. We, we, got, we got all of our permits this week. We finished our building. We're rolling the chairs in, and we got extra hand trucks to move our chairs so that everybody could be a part of chair parties every week. We decorated. The bathrooms were rocking with essential oil sprays coming in and out of there just amazingly, right? Our coffee bar looks awesome. Our kids' area, people gasp. <gasps> you guys love kids, right? And then the day before we have church for the first time, Jesus comes back. And we built somebody else a really cool building. How awesome would that be if we were just found faithful doing what God's called us to do? I want to ask you to do something with me. Take your card out if you brought it with you today already prepared. Or grab one from the chair that's around you. And we're going to make a commitment as a church together. We've got this really, really cool, somebody said this, what is this called? What's it called? A wash tub. This is a wash tub, okay? <clears throat> Kelly, it was going to happen. It was going to happen one more day. We used to use these for bobbing for apples in the fall up in northeast, but it's a wash tub. So this wash tub up here is a place where we're going to come, we're going to bring, we're not going to, we're going to take, we're going to do our regular offering at the end of the service, so just hold off on your offering until then. But we're going to come up as a family, and we're going to take our commitment card. So what I ask you to do is grab your commitment card, right? And we've been explaining this over the past couple of weeks, so I'm just going to do it again real quick. I'm not going to, this is going to take 15 minutes, I promise you. Uh, and what you're doing is, this is going to help us as a church put our budget together for the next two years. And for any of you that have ever served on a church board or the board of a 501c3, what usually happens with a church board or board of a 501c3 or some kind of Christian organization is we have goals, right, and we create these goals of expenses that we want to do, and then we try to match our income to the goals. And if, if there's not enough income when we have our financial meeting, then we'll make the income a little bit higher to reach the, to, to, to the goals that we want to attain with. But, but the fact of the matter is the better way to do it is to know how much money you have to work with and then put your budget together. It's kind of a better way to do it. And, and, and what we want to do is, is, is provoke you to help us put our church budget together. And, and by that, we mean this. We're asking you to make just a public, a, a private, but, but you're making it public for yourself. Uh, this is nobody else's business but yours, and, and our financial secretary is going to help us with our, with our, put, put this together, is what you would give. The line number one is what you normally give in one year. So if you make 
$50,000 a year, your one you're giving ought to be at $5,000 or more. $5,000 if you tithe, right? And then if you do more than that, a little, you know what you gave this year. If you're not sure what you gave this year, you could talk to Marianne Stewart, who, who, who handles all of our finances and all of our giving stuff. But that's just a basic principle is the tithe is 10%, 10% of what you make, and so on and so forth. Those of you that give already know what you're doing. Those of you that don't, that's how you figure it out, what your tithe is, okay? And then your expanded annual generosity giving for the All-In Initiative. Now, we're trying to raise $1.4 million. This is, how I, this is how Kim and I figured ours out. We're trying to raise $1.4 million for church. So my two years' worth of giving was, is my salary, 10% is my giving for two years. So I took that number times two, right? So if it was $50,000, it's 5,000 times two. That's how, that's how you do your two-year number. But then we also, 40% of what we're trying to raise for our church budget, that's $400,000, 40% is what we're trying to raise for our initial offering to help us get our building done, right? Our church, somebody said to me, Pastor, can I ask you a question? This, and, I'm, and I'm glad they asked me this because I could share it with this publicly. If we gave all that money to missions this year, why are we trying to raise money for our building? Why didn't we just keep that money and just put it into our building? Because that's not faith. And we have seen, listen, if you were there on Good Friday, our, our church, our, our sending church, and, and we participate in this because we tithed off of what our sending church gave us. We gave above what our church gave. We gave another 15, 20%. Here's why we did that, because we want God to bless our church. And we were able to buy 20-plus cars for missionaries. I'm not talking about chitty-chitty-bang-bang bang, Toyota Corolla 1997 with 200,000 miles on it cars. We had a missionary come in last week, Brother Frank, Pastor, what's his name? Pastor Ricardo. What's his last name? Bigania. How cool of a name is that? Ricardo Biganez. Man, that guy's a gladiator. I had coffee with him last week. And we were sitting there drinking, having our drinking coffee, not drinking, but drinking coffee together. And he said, Pastor, let me show you the car that your church bought us. And it was a Toyota Highlander or RAV4 or something like that. It's a little SUV because, and I know it's an SUV because Brother Frank said, look, our church was able to get him a minivan. And Pastor Begania said, no, 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 no minivan. I got a four by four. And he doesn't speak a lick of English. And he said that in English. It was awesome. You know, we bought that missionary. We bought him a new car. And we bought like 10 cars like that for missionaries. We had a missionary in Africa. I called him up and I said, hey, we want to bless your ministry. How can we help you? He says, and, he, and he's smart. He's a very seasoned ministry. I've got three needs, small, medium, and large. Small need was we're trying to finish this parsonage. It was $7,000. Medium need, we're trying to finish this church. It's about $18,000. Large need, we are buying this property. It's in a great area. We just planted a church. We're working with manna. It's $40,000. I said, and he's a missionary to um, Burkina Faso. What's his name? Mike Hillhouse. Mike Hillhouse. He's a big boy, too. Mike Hillhouse told me these. I said, that's $65,000. He said, yeah. I said, our church is going to send you the whole thing. That's unbelievable, right? And we praise God for that. And you say, yeah, but if we would have kept that money, we wouldn't be doing this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what God's going to do in our church in the future because of the generosity of God's people? What his Bible said he was going to do. Bless us beyond comprehension. So this is all we have to hold on to. And remember the first week we said this? 
there is a direct correlation to our faith in God's movement and God's miracles. I want the miracle that we're praying for to equate the faith of God's people this morning. If you believe that, say amen. So your two-year gift, 40% of that, and that's what Kim and I did. We did our two years worth of giving, and then we figured out what's 40% of our two years worth of giving, and that's our gift. And we're gonna try to give that by June 1st. Our goal is June the 1st to be able to do that. Uh, some of us will not be able to give the entire 40% gift on June the 1st. We're gonna try. I think we can do about half of it by then, and then the other half by, but, but the cool thing is, we don't have our permits yet. So here's what we're praying for. Permits and the money to meet the goal of the permits. You say, you sound like somebody's crazy. I'm okay with that. But I hope you'll see it's faith-filled. And we believe God's gonna do something through that. So you take your commitment card. If you're prepared to do that this morning, fill it out, fold it in half, crease it up real good so nobody else sees it. And then in just a moment, we're gonna ask you to stand. And we're gonna invite everybody to come forward. You say, you trying to guilt us into a commitment card? No, you're gonna come forward and take enough communion for you and your family. If you're prepared to bring this this morning, then you can put it in here. I just did. I'm the second one. Somebody else beat me this morning. You take enough communion for you and your family. We're gonna share communion together. Now, communion's a little different today. I like what people, your church is a little different. Amen. We just say amen to that. This is, this is an all-in-one communion thing here. And you say, that seems a little lazy, all right? It's not, this is a great tool when you do hospital visits or shut-ins. This is communion one. What we're gonna do in a moment is you're gonna peel it back, the wafer's on top, then you're gonna peel it back a second time, and then we're gonna drink together, and I'll walk you through that. You say, that's kind of, what's, you know, what's, is this all about convenience? I just think this was cool, and we're gonna do it today. That's, that's all it is. So we're gonna pray, ask God to bless our commitments. Uh, I'm gonna ask one of our elders, Richard Pescuzzi, if he'd come join me on the stage. Didn't know he was going to. Uh, and uh, if we can get a mic for him. And I'm gonna ask Richard to pray over our commitments. And then we're gonna play some music. And while we're playing music, <clears throat> we invite everybody to stand. It's gonna take a minute. <clears throat> Come up, grab your communion stuff, one for you and all your kids or whatever. And then put your commitment cards in here. It's between you and the Lord. We'll share communion together. Then we'll do our offering in just a couple minutes and we'll pray at the end of the service. But I'm gonna ask Richard if he would to pray uh, that God would just lead you through your, listen, if you're not prepared to do this today, it's okay. We're going to give you a chance next week. We're not going to go through it this extensively. We're going to do this over the next two or three weeks, and we're going to tell everybody how, how we did with our goal uh, Memorial Day weekend, the first weekend of June, because we're hoping that you will prepare yourself to do that kind of first fruits offering the very first Sunday in June. And listen, if you're a guest with us today, thank you for being here for us. Listen, we're doing this for you and for more people like you that are going to come to our church. We didn't bring you here to give. If God does that in your heart today we celebrate that with you we want you to know how much we love you we value you and we want to reach you and your friends for jesus christ that's why we're doing this this morning so richard would you pray uh, over our commitments this morning and then i'll instruct you to come up afterwards church let's pray father we just um, first of all we just thank you for your son and for all that he's done for us lord and we thank you for how you're going to be answering the prayers that we've lifted up to you and Lord, I pray that you speak to each one of our hearts individually. Um, show us what you want us to do. Show us how we can bless others and show our faithfulness to you, Lord. And Lord, help us do this with joy and happiness and excitement about what's going to happen in our church. And as Pastor Ed has said, there's going to be people coming into our building that are going to walk away knowing you, yes. Lord, and spending eternity in heaven. What a great gift that we can give 
by helping in this area. So, Father, we just ask you this. Uh, help us give with a, with a loving heart and a joyful heart now. And we just ask you all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up together. And we're going to invite everybody to come forward, grab enough communion for you and your family, put your cards in the bucket, move quickly to the side, and don't open up your communion stuff yet. We're going to do that together. So just come on forward. If anybody needs help, some of our staff will be up here. And just come up and be a part of this with us as we celebrate. And we're going to have this cool song. Are we singing it? If you know this song, sing it with us while we're doing this together this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows anybody was not able to come up would like us to bring one to you just just wave your hand up a little bit and Gary will bring you one real quick does anybody like that need help with one of these okay I'm gonna ask my wife to come up and join me here let's do this together um, <clears throat> the Bible says 
in not only the book of Luke, but also in 1 Corinthians, that um, Jesus said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Do this act. This, is, this doesn't make you more saved or less saved. We do this for the very purpose of remembering what Jesus Christ did. So do this with me. Peel the first layer back of your cup. And there's a communion wafer there. Take that in your hand like this. Let me pray about that and we'll eat it together, okay? Father, bless this as we receive. Nothing magical happens when we do this, Lord, but we remember your broken body and what you did for us on the cross at Calvary. That just seemed very appropriate, Lord, for us to remember you especially when we make our commitments together as a church as we're going all in for you. May it be said of our church, Lord, that you blessed and did miracles in your response to our amazing faith. Not because we're better, not because we're even good. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, Lord. But we know that we want our faith, Lord, Lord, to provoke a movement of God. And we pray that you'll do that in our midst today. Bless as we receive this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. This is kind of like counseling. Peel back one little layer, and you peel back another layer, Right? So go ahead and take the rest of that top off of your cup. This is grape juice. Brian, it's going to be the only sugar I drink this week, just so you know that, okay? This is a representation, not the literal blood of Jesus. This is just a representation uh, of what he gave so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins. So let's do this to remember what Jesus did for us, and let's drink together. And all of God's people said, may there be unity in our community. Amen, church? I'm excited to see uh, how we're going to be able to plan this. Be praying for folks that aren't here that have already let me know. Pastor, I'm bringing it next week. So I'm gonna be, well, we'll be ready for it, and that's good. If you're with us for the first time, church doesn't normally go this long. But it's a special Sunday for our church, and we hope you felt welcomed and loved. And we'll come back next week on Mother's Day, having a big Mother's Day celebration we have the best Mother's Day gift that we've ever given away of any church I've ever pastored next week. And we're giving away to all the ladies next week. All the moms and all the single ladies, all the single ladies. We're giving them to everybody. And it's going to be a great time. So if you have a friend that you want to get a cool gift to next week and she's a lady, bring her to church next week as we celebrate Mother's Day together, okay? We're going to receive our offering at this time and we're going to participate in this last part of our worship. Pastor Gary's going to come up and pray for our offering this morning. Kim and I look forward to visiting with you after church today. And if you were wondering whose kid was crying during the offertory or during the uh, Lord's Supper, it was my granddaughter, and that was okay with that. Amen? All right. God bless you as you give. Pastor Gary, pray for us, would you, buddy?